Good morning. You'll have to excuse us. Uh, we're trying to get ourselves organized. We haven't had a choir in a while, amen? Well, they're going to begin our service this morning by singing my tribute.
As we continue our morning worship service, let's all stand as we sing praise to the Lord the Almighty.
Father, as we come to you to praise you and, Lord, to lift you up throughout this service, we just pray that uh, by your grace that you will help us to keep our minds, our hearts, our eyes upon you and you alone, that we will allow your spirit to draw us into your presence in a very special and unique way as you desire, and that our hearts will be touched as you so desire to touch them. And Father, I pray that before we leave this place, that as you have led us and touched us in, in that special way, that we will go that way, that we will heed to what you are uh, directing for us in our lives. And we will thank you and praise you continuously. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. service this morning. Let's all stand as we sing Amazing Grace. My chains are gone.
seated. I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21 as we look at verses 12 through 17. Good to see you here today. I'm glad all of you made it back from Arkansas after the Georgia game, right? Okay. Was that your faces there or was that the cardboard faces? Okay. Uh, it is... We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 17. You know, it's always interesting to read a good novel, especially one that builds up with suspense until the end. Or to watch a movie if you don't want to read the novel, you know. Yeah. And uh, you, you wait throughout the movie. A good ball game even, uh, at least first half, where... You know, you don't know where it's going, and it's leading up to a victory for Georgia on the second half, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, that is always fun to, to be a part of that, especially uh, reading, uh, you know, these, these mystery movies, uh, uh, these books. Uh, you read those, uh, that they make them into a, a movie, and, and it's exciting. Well... This is kind of what Matthew has been doing, except it's real life, and this is not fiction, you know. Uh, this is true to the core. I mean, as we look at this, we look at uh, Jesus on his way to Calvary's cross. The events are intensifying, and it's moving that way. 
And now he's uh, come into Jerusalem. And as he's come into Jerusalem, he uh, is going to the temple. Where else would he go? And here we see him going to the temple. And in verse 12, we read, And Jesus entered the temple, and he saw what was going on in the temple. We're going to be talking about that. Cast out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a, or a robber's den or a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of the infants and the nursing babes, thou hast prepared praise for thyself. And he left and went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just pray that you be with us in a very special way this morning. Continue to bless our hearts as you have through the music. We, we thank you for the congregational singing. Uh, praise team up here and and the choir who uh, just uh, you know bless our hearts also with that uh, special and so we we thank you for this now we just ask for your grace and its sufficiency to enlighten our minds and our hearts with your truth with your word your message I pray that you'll just guard everything that's said and done in this pulpit so that it will be done in a manner that will lift you up. You'll be glorified. Truth will be told. And God, you will deal with hearts as you desire to. Thank you. And Lord, we acknowledge once again that this cannot happen in any way, form, or fashion where it would benefit your kingdom apart from you being glorified. And you bringing about all of this so may it not come from this speaker me or or anything else may it be done through you and may you use this vessel for your glory in jesus name amen matthew is a book that has emphasized over and over and over again that jesus is who the Messiah, the son of David. He's writing to a Jewish group of people. And so one way that he's done this over and over and over again repeatedly is he's, uh, he's repeated this one phrase. Like when we uh, uh, read about this, basically is saying the same thing. Yes, have you never read in other words, had you not uh, seen it in Scripture? 
He repeatedly said this over and over again while he was teaching the people. As he was in his ministry, he said, These things have occurred in order that the scriptures might be fulfilled. He was letting the people know also that, hey, what you have read in the scripture, if you truly read uh, the scripture, then it's about me. And these are being fulfilled through my ministry. So these Old Testament scriptures, what? They point to the identity of Christ, who he is, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Son of David. And so from Matthew 16, especially from Matthew 16 until now, there has been an intensification, if you will. And that is of understanding who Christ is and what he has done and why he has done this. He hasn't just performed miracles just to perform miracles. He hasn't just fed the hungry just to feed the hungry. He's done it with a purpose. And that purpose is to show, to illustrate, to demonstrate to the people who he is. He always has a reason for doing things. He just doesn't do things. He does things for a reason. God always has done that. So Jesus has done these spectacular things, these miraculous things, and now, you know, along with that, he's taught the crowd along the way uh, and his disciples about, uh, you know, the kingdom of God and the incredible uh, God that they serve and, and how they are to serve him and how they're to enter the kingdom. And in fulfillment of the scripture, Jesus now, he's entering Jerusalem, his city, and the people what are they doing? We read that they put palm uh, branches out before him. They, you know, uh, they held him Hosanna. And so uh, king of the Jews. And so in turn, we, uh, we see that they're uh, acknowledging him as the Davidic fulfillment. They're preparing, in other words, they're preparing the way for the king. That's what they're doing. And the people, in one sense here, you'd say, well, that's great. Why didn't they just continue to follow him? Well, in one sense, they seem to recognize Jesus as the promised Messiah. That he is from David's line. But in another sense, though, they miss the point. And that's a biggie. That's a big thing about it. They said, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So they claim to be acknowledging Jesus as the dawn of history breaking through and the Messiah coming. But this anointed one, they're a little bit confused still about or a lot confused about how and what he is to do and how he is to arrive. Everyone in the city, though, seemed to be stirred with Jesus' arrival. Some even ask, who is this? In other words, you guys are crying this Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
but who is he? Where is he coming from? Is he really the Messiah? Is he the one that we're looking for? And so they say that he's from Nazareth. He's that man that's been claimed to be performing all of these miracles and doing all these great things. And then we see him entering Jerusalem, and as we read this passage, he goes to the temple. Now this is not the first time that he cleansed the temple. In the beginning of his ministry, he cleansed it. Now he cleanses it again at the end. It looks like they would have learned something, and we'll talk about that in a few moments, from the first cleansing. But evidently, we'll talk about that, how things continue to get worse sometimes if we don't straighten things out. So the condition of the temple in worship, it's so very important. Jesus lets us know this. Uh, everything is focused on Jesus as he enters the temple. You get this, all these people are shouting and claiming Hosanna in the highest. And uh, as he enters, he enters uh, the place of worship, and that is the temple. And it's an interesting uh, picture here. Uh, to start with, you've got to get the picture of the temple. The temple was like concentric circles you know what concentric circles are don't you you know you have the small one and then bigger one and then bigger one and then bigger one uh, you know and there's space in between each one of them well this is kind of like that but it's rectangular speaking I mean shaped and and it's it's kind of like boxes you you put the big box down and then you put a you know you, you ever done that for Christmas or, or a, a gift birthday gift and and, you know, uh, people see this big old gift, and they open it up, and nothing's in it. And then there's another, little, another box in, in there, uh, uh, included in there, and so they open it up. Then there's another box, and they open it up, and there's another box, and they open it up, and then they, you get down to the, that part, you know, the small part. They open it up, and <clears throat> you've got a little toy for it, or whatever. But here... Here, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like that. And the outer part is the court of the Gentiles. And so uh, the outer court is, uh, you know, is where the merchandise are primarily being sold. It could have blended over into other parts, but it's primarily blend, uh, in the part of the outer court, the court of the Gentiles, known as the court of Gentiles. And the, uh, the animals that were being sold, uh, they were primarily uh, the animals being sold for sacrifice. It, and uh, the sacrificial system called upon many animals to be, uh, uh, to be made available. Uh, you know, it, there was different levels, if you will, of sacrifice. Uh, some of the animals that were included were oxen some of them were lambs some of them were doves and then perhaps others but those were primarily ones primary ones and it had to do with the type of income you made that's why there was levels of sacrifice and so this required many different types of animals and so uh where but the unfortunate thing is 
And we see this here in America. Where there is a need, there will be a profit opportunity. And this was no different in the East. Matter of fact, if you visit the East and visit a lot of other countries, I visited on, on a mission trip one time. I experienced this as I went down to uh, the main city and we went into the area where they had the bazaar. Uh, and this was kind of like a, it had become like a grand bazaar. They, uh, you know, you go into it and, and uh, when you're entering it, you better understand a few things. Number one, it's their world and not your world. And number two, uh, you know, they operate, number one, they operate by it being their world. They operate on their terms, the way they want to, and their time limit. And it's very slow most of the time uh, because they like to keep you over and try to talk you into something. But second of all, nothing is as it appears, if you will. Uh, you can be told... Uh, one thing and you begin to ask questions about it and it's another thing and matter of fact with prices you'll be told one price and most of the suckers take the first price I'm sorry if you've taken the first price before but they don't even expect you to take the first price they like to dicker with you they like to uh, you know go back and forth with you and so uh, Many of them will even lose respect if you don't do that with them. And then the third thing is don't let them catch your eyes glancing over to their section. They will come after you. Believe me, they will come after you. They will capture you and they will talk about their products. And it doesn't matter if you try to get away, they'll keep you there. And if so, and so you know, everything's arm to arm, and if somebody else is hearing them talk about it, then they'll interrupt them, and they'll bring you over to their part. And uh, they'll say, oh, don't listen to them. You know, there's, their product's no good, and this type of thing. And basically, people, this is what, elbow to elbow, this is what the outer court had become, a grand bazaar. And, uh, you know, people coming to Jerusalem for the Passover, they had a need. And that need was an animal sacrifice. And where is a need going to be met? But with an opportunity. And so this met together, the opportunity and the need met together in the temple. And uh, as someone walked in the temple, it was as if they were walking into a grand bazaar. And they were elbow to elbow, people selling animals, and a noise all around. Now, picture that, people, when Jesus walks into the temple. It was not made for or to be a grand bazaar. It was as if he was walking into this marketplace. And how is he reacting? It says that Jesus entered the temple and cast out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. In other words, 
he, I know you don't like to hear this, or you may not mind, but I know there's a lot of Christians that don't like to hear this. He was filled with what? Anger, rage. As we look at this, they had turned the temple into a marketplace. And he literally chased them out. That's the picture. He overturned their tables. Basically, it tells us that, man, he tore it up. He tore up the place. Why? Because Jesus was upset. The people had turned the house of worship into a house of profit. Worship has always been the focal point. And it still is. And as long as things were wrong with Israel's worship, things could not be right with the nation. Why? Because their heart was not right. We think that coming to church, we're doing a, a good deed for the Lord sometimes. We're worshiping. But what does worship mean? Worship means holding up for public acclaim. We are to hold the Lord up for who he is and for what he has done for public acclaim. And we're to do that. We're to show that worship, demonstrate it, not only in the house of God as we come together to worship, but outside these walls when we go out into public. Coming to worship God is not just coming and enjoying singing, and boy, it's so wonderful. And hearing a message and, and then going home. And going about your business as though nothing has happened at all. Nothing unique has happened. Worship is making sure you're honoring God by having a right relationship with Him and by praising Him for who He is and for what He's done. Recognizing Him during the week in all that we do. Worship is not a come on and turn off and leave. It's a come on, prepared, and leave energized to do what God has directed us to do, to continue to honor Him. But that cannot happen if things are wrong in our lives. That's why they offered sacrifices too, wasn't it? Because th there was sin in people's lives and they, they wanted to make it right. If we don't do that and we, if we mislead in our lives before others and we're, we're not what we say we are, then really our worship is meaningless and worthless. So just like with Israel, as long as things were wrong with worship, things would not be right. Also, Israel had refused to learn, as I mentioned earlier, what Jesus had taught them earlier, three years earlier. As I said, we would talk briefly about this. When a lesson is not learned, the situation usually becomes worse 
than the first time. <coughs> Jimmy works with the court system. He can tell you about a lot of repeat offenders and how the first time was maybe something not quite as detrimental or damaging, second time worse, and if it's a third time, prison time. Or maybe something uh, terrible as murder and, and something else like that. Sometimes it seems futile, though, I know, uh, to try and see people's hearts and be a part of God's plan in, in trying to, uh, you know, have their minds and their hearts changed. It seems like, uh, you know, we, we, we're wasting our time. But one good thing about it, Jesus did this at first, first of his ministry, and he's doing it at the end. He didn't give up, in other words, on the people. And we're not to give up either. So God knew that, you know, uh, they needed more than just reform. They needed regeneration and revival. That's what we need today. You know, we, we have an election coming up. We have a judge that's going to uh, be uh, confirmed, hopefully, and, and you know, uh, uh, pro-lifer and all that, and, and so that, that's great. And, man, all of this we should go for and we should vote for because that's, according to the Scripture, that's the way we believe in all of this. And, you know, things like that included. But let me say, with that, that just, you know, he knew that the first time he cleaned the temple, it was reformed. They got back to doing the same thing. And reform will do that because it deals more outwardly than inwardly. What we need is regeneration. We need to know that, yes, we need those reforms in our country to help us. We need laws. But with that, we better stay on our knees as Graham uh, led that uh, group of people in Washington and all over the United States to do. We need to stay on our knees praying and doing something about it, living differently and sharing the gospel and living the way that God would have us to live. Because we know that reform will help, but just so far, there needs to be regeneration. There needs to be revival. God knew this, but he never did stop declaring his will to his people. And thank God he doesn't give up on his people and on others. Matthew 21, 13, Jesus pronounces judgment as he quotes from Isaiah 56, and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. That was taken from Isaiah 56. But you are making it a den of robbers, or robber's den, taken from Jeremiah. So the temple was to be a place of worship, meditation, praise, and devotion. It was to be a place where God's people could draw close to him. And they could, as they draw close to him, you know, offer themselves to the Lord through their sacrifices as here 
and, and uh, with their worship. It was meant to be a, you know, a, a place where God was honored and glorified and not a marketplace or a stockyard or a bank. So Matthew 21, 13 tells us that instead of worship, the temple had been turned into a robber's den. And as I said, taken from Jeremiah 7, 11, literally, it means a cave of robbers. The imagery is of a hillside hideout for road bandits. You know, when we were out in Oklahoma, <coughs> excuse me, we lived in Wilburton, Oklahoma. Do you know what our claim to honor was there? Our celebration, our, they had a parade and, and uh, you know, just an all-day festival was Bell Star. Do you know who Bell Star is? Bell Star. Some of the historians have written that Bell Star was a famous woman outlaw, robber, cattle thief. She and her husband allegedly harbored Frank and Jesse James and the Hole in the Wall gang near what was known as Robber's Cave. We used to love to fish up there in Private Lake. On, on, you know, it was State Park. Beautiful. But you go up there, and the way the big old mountain and, and the formation is, you could walk down into some of the holes. I could see where Hole in the Wall Gang would, would get its name. But we were famous for that. And uh, this is the type of imagery that Robert's Dens gives you. And so what they were doing was they were hosting this. You know, it, it seems like the innocent were being taken advantage of and the guilty, the robbers, were being protected. Oh, wow. What does that sound like today? Oh, okay, I won't get into anything there. Okay. Even if someone brought their own sacrifice, he ran the risk of the authorities, which they most of the time did, declaring it unclean. So what did that mean? That meant that they had to buy something from them. What did that mean? They made a profit off of it. What did that mean? They even, if they, did, if they came, which they came from all parts of the, uh, the, uh, the world there, if, if they came with different coins, money, they had to what? Get it changed. And who were the money changers? And what, what did they do? They, they charged them for that. So it was a big money-making business. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus saw this, he saw the hypocrisy of it and the commercializing of it and the uh, unjust distortion of it. And instead of showing meekness and mildness as he has shown throughout, which is a part of God's kingdom and our characteristics, he showed anger, rage, fury judgment you know the bible even tells us to be angry and sin not don't let the sun go down on your anger in other words you better make it right if it's uh, especially if it's unjust anger 
And I, I want to tell you, most of ours is unjust anger when we, when we react. But there is an anger, a righteous anger. And that righteous anger is over sin. And how, what sin is doing and how people are acting the, in this way against God and dishonoring God. And we should get angry about things like that. Man, we should not sit back as Christians and as snowflakes and not get angry over what is unrighteous. What is against God. What dishonors His name. Man, we should get upset over that. Now, yes, I ask God to help, you know, not let it linger in our hearts and our lives so that we become bitter and, and the anger turns wrong. Uh, boy, pray that at night before you go down. But, yes, be angry, a righteous anger, over wrong. Jesus said it's like saying enough is enough. I mean, we do that with our children, don't we? They push us just so far, we tell them not to do that, that's dangerous or whatever, that's wrong. And then, you know, we say, okay, you know, you're in your little box for a little bit. And then they do it again. And then you really, after maybe the second or third time, you really get angry, maybe, and you say, hey, that is wrong. You are hurting your parents because we're concerned about you and it's dangerous and it's wrong or it could lead you the wrong path, you're hurting yourself and your relationship to God and you're hurting others. So don't do it ever again or else. Enough is enough. Well, as we, uh, we see that Jesus has dealt with the money changers. There's a change of attitude here. We see the compassionate Lord again. And I think these two pictures show us how we as believers are to balance our lives. We're to be angry over sin and wrong. And we're to be compassionate and loving and caring. We're to have the character of God. Here it says in, in verses 14 through 17... And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. And he said, get away from me. You've been a part of this. I don't want to have anything to do with you. No, he didn't. They came to him after he got rid of all the evil. They said, hey, you know, we're just coming up to you now since you've cleansed out all that was here and we can get to you. Will you heal us? But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things he had done and children who were crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant. Two things here mentioned that's very important. We see that, first of all, that Jesus shows compassion for those who they rejected. They were the outcasts. Point once again is that Jesus is letting his followers know, his disciples, that 
it isn't the religious, it isn't the self-sufficient ones who get into the kingdom of God, only the needy, the desperate, those who come to Jesus for help. Most Jewish authorities, as I said, of Christ's day, they forbade the, the, um, the lame, the blind, the, de the deaf, and the others that were handicapped uh, from coming and offering sacrifices. Jesus, though, reverses the scene. And so Jesus has also illustrated by way of children what takes uh, part as far as part of being a part of God's kingdom. He used little children who were dependent, who were trusting individuals, children who were special. They were always special. He always had time for them. And here we have the, the praise of the children, and they probably had been with the adults outside praising Jesus, uh, crying out, uh, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And children usually pick up on what adults say pretty easy, pretty quickly, don't they? And so the, here is no difference. And they probably began to repeat this. But there is more than just repeating from the children. As mentioned earlier, Jesus used the children to illustrate the kind of humility and faith every person must have to enter the kingdom of God, to be a part of the kingdom of God. He says in the Bible in that Matthew 18, 3, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And then again, he says in Matthew 19, 14, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, little children. What was he saying? Only children get to enter in? No. Just like he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. He's reminding the people of humility, dependency, faith that is required to enter the kingdom of God. You can't enter it on your own. So as all of this happened, then we see that he tells them, hey, haven't you even read in the scripture what it says? And he's, of course he's saying, yes, have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes thou hast prepared praise for thyself? They're proclaiming Jesus as deity, as the child of God. That comes from Psalm 8. And also, it reminds everyone that those who are willing to become like children who come humbly and dependently in faith, believing the truth about Jesus, can enter the kingdom of God. You see, when Jesus comes to the temple and he offers him, you know, he offers sacrifice soon to be offered, it's going to be him, not something else, or nor a pattern. For success. If one believes in Christ as Savior and as Lord, we pass from death unto life and we become children of God. It's not by some pattern or program or anything else. Some may be used, but it's not through that. It's through Jesus Himself. You see, Jesus, instead of attacking Rome, He attacked Judaism. Instead of being a conqueror, he was a confronter. 
Instead of promoting revolution, he preached righteousness. And instead of clearing out the enemy without, he cleared out the enemy within. This is not the kind of Messiah they were looking for, but it's a Messiah who is real and who came. The one and only Messiah. Unfortunately, many people are not looking at or for that kind of Messiah. Many people look for some kind of religious works. They look for some kind of political power they look for uh, through some kind of educational process but they're not looking through the eyes that God has for them and that is by way of the Holy Spirit opening them up to the truth where it says that Jesus is the way the truth and the life and what needs to be noted is after this he went back to Bethany where he would go back and forth to Jerusalem he stayed there whether it was with uh, Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus or uh, the leper who was cleansed we don't know but he went back and forth from there which was just around the corner but that depicts more I believe than just him leaving at this point they rejected him and people, we better be very careful because we see that we, if we don't accept Jesus on his terms, he will not remain where he is not unwanted. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you most of all for Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, who was raised again so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have eternal life, so that we could become a part of your family, become a, become a part of your kingdom. And so that we could enjoy times like this that the world knows nothing about and they don't enjoy and they can't understand because their eyes have not been opened. We can enjoy it because you have opened up our eyes to the spiritual realm, to the truth that lies within Christ. Thank you, God, for this. If there's any decisions that need to be made today, I pray that uh, those that are here or those that are listening may make that decision, whether it's to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior by faith, just calling out to him and asking him to save you, whether it's making some other decision that needs to be made, recognizing that the worship that we have been doing, perhaps, has not been true worship, and confessing some sin in our life or or. Uh, asking the Lord to help you to carry that worship the way that he's spoken to you out into the world to be the kind of person, the kind of kingdom person that you need to be. Whatever the decision is, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to make it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. God's dealing with your heart and your soul. You can come and kneel at the altar or...
pray to the Lord or come and I'll be more than happy to talk with you and, and we will uh, allow God to work in your heart in a special way. I must needs go cross leads home amen uh my wife has given me a note saying that she did it earlier not during the message but uh she said that the sign up sheets are in the foyer right for homecoming homecoming is next week how about that people amen amen, amen. and we've already got quite a few signed up and so i think four or five hundred or something like that. no i'm just kidding <laughs> uh but we do. We have quite a few. And if you, any of you haven't signed up, please sign up and come. And, you know, if, uh, you know whatever it is, uh, I think all the food is provided, right? Uh, they don't have to bring anything? Or do they have to bring anything? No, they don't. Okay. You don't have to bring anything. I think some have offered to, uh, with sweets. Desserts. Okay. 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 Any other announcements? Okay, it's good to be in the house of the Lord with you. Amen. 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 With each other. And so y'all just go up and hug. No, you can't do that. Oh, man. Ain't that terrible. Okay, let's go away. Rejoice.